Welcome to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com. Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll make a home. While you're turning there, I want to bring your attention to what you might be sitting on if you didn't notice it was there. Uh, Every single seat in the house today had this card, uh, and this is a new sermon series we're starting next week called Rediscover Church. Uh, I don't know what your ideas about church are and where those ideas come from, but I can tell you most of the time they come from tradition and, you know, what we've always done, and the weird thing about that is like what you've always done if you grew up at this church might be different from the one down the road or the one down the road from that, and we have all these ideas for what church should be, how it should look, how it should function, and most of those, I would uh, contend, come from our traditions and our experiences, but what we want to do is take time as a church to rediscover who we are and who it is that God is actually calling us to be, and the way we're going to do that This is a really novel concept that I don't know that many of us have thought about before. We're going to use the Bible to do that. Wow, isn't that crazy? Uh, So we're going to go to the scriptures and see what the Bible says we are to be as a church, who we're called to be, what that should look like. So the reason I put this card here is not to remind you, hey, we're doing a new series. I should come back. No, this is for you to invite someone to come. Uh, A new sermon series is a fantastic on-ramp for somebody you know that doesn't have a church home. Man, just take this card and say, hey, I was praying about it, and and I wanted to invite you. And you, listen, throw me under the bus. Like, say, man, our preacher's been beating us down about handing these cards out, so here, take it. Like, whatever you want to do, but I want you to invite someone to come. Did you know that invitation could literally change somebody's life? Man, there are lots of people in this room right now that the first time they came here, you know why they came? Because somebody was bold enough to say, hey, you should come to church with me. So invite someone, save them a seat, and when they get here next week, uh, you can tell them that, uh, remember that card? They don't. This isn't a ticket. You don't even have to have this to come in. We'll just let you in uh, when you show up next Sunday. So you might be thinking, well, there's not enough chairs in here. We're working on that too, right? Uh, we're going to kind of re- arrange this thing, work on it. We're especially looking toward Easter. We know there's going to be a lot of folks here, and uh, you're going to keep inviting people, and the Lord's just doing a work. And I want to tell you, we're excited about that. Here's why I'm excited about what God's doing in our church right now. Like, we're not really doing anything super special to make that happen. Right? Like, it's not like you, you know, man, since I came, we redid everything. No, we're just preaching the word and worshiping Jesus together. We're not putting on a show. There's nothing crazy about what we're doing, but God is blessing that. And you as a church, we as the people of God, are simply hungry for the word of God. And the Lord is honoring that and blessing that. So, man, keep inviting people. I believe the Lord is going to continue to do really awesome things as we dive into that new series starting next Sunday. But, To set the table for that, we're going to continue our study of 2 Timothy here. Uh, We did chapter 3 last week, and we're going to dive into God's Word here in chapter 4. Only five verses this morning, and then we'll pray and ask for the Lord's help. Uh, We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm reading today out of the Christian Standard Bible. Here's what the Word of the Lord says. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, And because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, 
but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They'll turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let's pray together. God, I ask that you would help us today as we study the scriptures, Lord, that you would speak to us, communicate your truth to us in a way, Lord, that we can be changed by it and become the uh, men and women you want us to be, the families you want us to be, and the church you want us to be. So God, give us ears to hear and speak to us today. We're listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we walked through chapter 3 of this letter that Paul wrote to his young pastor, uh, you know, mentee, uh, Timothy, a guy he was mentoring and discipling. And we talked specifically last week about the contrast between saturating your life in the culture around you versus saturating your life in the Word of God. And if you recall, that message started in verse 1 of chapter 3 uh, with a question that we ended up asking, and it was this question, are we living in the last days? And we answered that with an affirmative. We said, yes, a strong yes, Jesus is coming again. This is clear from the word of God. So I want you to understand today, we are a last days church. Did you know that? We are a last days church. And as Paul continues this letter written to young Pastor Timothy, we see him continuing this line of thought. And what we're going to find first in this chapter is a charge to a young pastor. And that charge to the young pastor is abundantly clear, stated in verse 2, preach the word. The charge to this young pastor is preach the word. And I want you to notice the basis of this charge. Paul is very serious in this text. He doesn't just throw out some spiritual platitudes and say, oh yeah, preach the word, brother. No, instead, he charges Timothy. Look at verse 1. In the presence of God, in the presence of Christ Jesus, who is going to judge all people, who is coming again soon, he says, preach the word. Do you sense the seriousness of this text? That word charge is from the Greek word that, that really means to warn. So uh, this is a word that the CSB uh, adds this word solemnly uh, charge. This is kind of not a, a pep rally. This isn't just like a, hey, buddy, get out there and preach the word. No, this is like an emergency alert issued right in the middle of a football game. This is like a fire alarm being pulled in the middle of a school day. Paul says, listen, we don't have time to waste. We can't just play church. We can't just keep doing all these things. You don't have time, Timothy, to offer spiritual junk food to the masses. We don't have time for pop psychology dressed up as Jesus language. I charge you, young Timothy, preach the word. But he continues to tell Timothy how he is to preach the word. Verse 2 says, be ready in season and out of season. This speaks to the necessity of preparation. The preparation of the preacher matters. It says, be ready. In a sense, the call is to stay ready. I think we usually use this language when we're joking about preaching at the last minute, right? Uh, so Brother Daniel, who is a member of our church, used to be our youth pastor, now serves at the association. Because of his job, he will often get a call on a Saturday night when a pastor all of a sudden is ill or has a family emergency, and he will have to preach with about 12 hours notice, oftentimes. And when that happens, that's when we throw in that joke, right? Well, the Bible says, be ready in season and out of season, brother, right? 
And there is a sense to which that is true, but this is really talking not just about expecting the unexpected, but this is a call to earnest, serious preparation for preachers. In order to preach the word, a pastor must be prepared. But we also see that preaching the word requires boldness. Verse 2 continues to say that the word of God should correct and rebuke. Friends, as a pastor, can I just tell you that correcting and rebuking requires a great deal of boldness? And I know that the reality is, like, I don't seem to struggle to say hard things up here, right? Like, I've had people say before, like, you look like you enjoyed that, pastor, right? And maybe it has that vibe, but can I tell you, reality is there have been many late nights and early mornings where I've been stressed and concerned about preaching the truth of Scripture, knowing how it will affect people that I greatly care about. But God's Word says regardless of that, we've got to let the Word of God do its work, even when it's difficult. But not only does preaching require preparation and boldness, preaching requires patience. Patience. You know, we're a church that, uh, in a church culture, in this American westernized Christianity that places such a high value on the invitation and the response time in our services. When, when people ask, how was church today? What we're often asking is, was there a big response? Did a lot of people come forward? Was the altar flooded with folks? How many decisions were made today? But did you know that our modern idea of the invitation is really just that, a modern idea? I love the response time of our service, and we're going to continue to do that most Sundays as the Lord leads us. But what you find when you read the Scriptures is that while there are multiple moments of transformative, one-time, impactful decisions, what you see more often is not the, the quick change, but the slow and steady transformation that is measured not in minutes. It's not measured in verses of just as I am. But, but rather, brothers and sisters, it's measured in weeks, months, and years of steady following Jesus. Can I just level with you? I don't like that. I want instantaneous. Anybody else? Like, y'all, I've been your pastor for going on six months. Revival ain't broke out yet. What's the deal? Like, we want things to happen quickly. God's timing, though, is not our timing, right? Did you know that the most powerful metaphor to describe spiritual growth that's used over and over in the Scripture is this? It's the metaphor of bearing fruit, growing fruit. I think we need that reminder in our church today because much of modern ministry is geared at making cookies instead of bearing fruit. Making cookies is a different process, right? We, we love to take recipes, we gather up all the ingredients, throw those bad boys in the mixer, turn that thing on, set the oven to the right temp, throw it all in, and boom, bam, instantly and quickly with a little bit of effort, uh, we have delicious cookies. And everybody's happy with cookies, amen? Some of you are like, I'd be more inclined to come to church if you'd put cookies. Forget these cards, put a cookie in every seat, pastor. But bearing fruit is a different process, isn't it? You see? Uh, bearing fruit, you bury a seed, and then you wait. And, and yes, there's a process of, of nurturing that and working in that. You water it, but 
ultimately, you aren't in charge of the growth. It's a long, slow, arduous process. Now listen, again, you know I'm not against a good cookie. But, but here's the reality. If we're only making cookies, we're not going to be a healthy church in the long run. So when it comes to preaching the word, growing our church as disciples of Christ, it's all about bearing fruit. And bearing fruit takes patience, especially in a day and age of chocolate chip cookie churches. They're all around us, and you can load up on them. The American culture has perfected the recipe. If you get the right music, if you get the right aesthetic, if you have the right vibe, the right preaching style, give them the the perfect latte when they walk in, bam, you can have a successful church. But the sad reality is that oftentimes they're not really bearing fruit. See, can can I tell you the dirty little secret of most of the fastest growing churches, not only in Southeast Texas, but in America today? That they're growing quickly because it's people from other churches going to their church. And, and listen, I love you guys, but I am not interested in growing our church by being the coolest church around so that people from all the other churches want to come to our cool church. I mean, that's just like shifting chairs on the Titanic. I'm not interested in doing that. Instead, we want to see the lost in our community come to know Christ. And we can do that, friends, but listen to me when I say this. It's going to require some patience. Because when you actually start reaching lost people, can I tell you what happens? The families that the Lord brings to our church are not going to be the cute little cookie-cutter family that came from the church next door. It's going to be the family that on the first Sunday they show up, dad's half drunk, the kids go to the children's ministry and use words that my kids have never heard before, and we have to have conversations after church about it. It's just the reality. But friends, we're not interested in a cute church full of perfect people. Like honestly, keep your Instagram perfect church. We don't want it. We want to be a hospital for sinners. We want to be a congregation that is actually reaching the people in our community who desperately need Jesus. We want to be real. You know what we really want to be? A church doing the hard, slow work of bearing fruit. And this comes by preaching the word, by being prepared, by boldly proclaiming truth and patiently letting the Lord do work. So this is the charge to this young pastor, preach the word. But the text continues here with what I would call a sobering reality. And that sobering reality is that not everyone will respond to the word of God. Verse 3 makes this abundantly clear, doesn't it? It says, a time will come, and brothers and sisters, I would suggest to you that this time's already here, where people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Now, that's a heavy phrase, sound doctrine. Here's what that literally means, healthy teaching. Like teaching the truth, what is true, what is right. And the hard, sobering reality is this, our flesh doesn't want to hear the truth. We don't like being corrected. Anybody a big fan of rebuking? Now, no, so I know some of y'all like rebuking. So some of y'all didn't raise your hand, but you were like, well, actually, it's my spiritual gift. It's calling out problems in others. But let me turn it around. Anybody like being rebuked? Boof. 
My favorite people are those who, who will self-proclaimed have the spiritual gift of discernment. They're all about discerning stuff in others, but, you know, you try to discern something in them, they're like, hold up, right? Some of y'all already got quiet in here. You're like, he's talking about me. We live in an age where people do not tolerate sound doctrine, especially if it goes against what we think, feel, and believe. It goes against the grain of our personal desires. I want you to note in the text, that's what Paul says, according to their desires, because their desires don't match up with the truth of Scripture, here's what they do. It says they will multiply teachers for themselves. Because people want to hear what they want to hear, here's what happens. They make many teachers. Because eventually they'll find somebody they like. Can we just, this is, it's awkward, but we're going there. Don't you see this cycle in Southeast Texas? Maybe even our community? You go to a church till the preacher says something you don't like and then you bail and go somewhere else. Till that preacher says something you don't like. Then you go to another church and another church and then you, you know, it goes long enough that like here at Central, we've got a new preacher now. So you're circled back, give us another shot. But let me just tell you, and today may be the day. <laughs> I will eventually say something that you don't like. It's only a matter of time until the truth of God's word hits you in a way that brings some discomfort. And if we're not careful, you and I will fall into this danger that Paul talks about in verse 3. Just finding a teacher that will scratch our itching ears. Oh, but what would our lives look like if we would submit to the word of God and let it transform us? Even when it gets uncomfortable. But this is the sobering reality. Not everyone will respond to the word. But in verses 3 and 5, I think we see in this text a call to endure. A call to endure. And this really hits on a couple of different levels. This call to endure first is a call for the church to endure. Verse 3 tells us that the world will not tolerate sound teaching, but as Christ followers, our aim, so if the world will not tolerate sound teaching, then we as people of God must tolerate and endure sound teaching. I think that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The ESV literally says endure. So what does it mean for you to endure or to tolerate healthy teaching? The idea there, literally, y'all, is that you have to labor to make it through hard teaching. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking, Pastor Rusty, we've been laboring through your messages for several months now. But, but the reality is when we hear things that are uncomfortable and challenging and convicting, it's difficult. It's not easy. Can I just tell you, last week was tough. Even as the pastor, like, man, I'm writing that message. I was like, man, this is going to be good. This, I'm excited about this, but I did not know how confrontational it was going to be until I was right smack in the middle of it. And it was quiet enough, you could have heard a pin drop, and we've got carpet. And I was like, Oof. I mean, I went home, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Was worked up about it. And, and then just through the week, and even right after service, I had so many of you who were such a blessing to me, who were like, man, keep going. That was hard. That was hard, but keep going. It's a call to endure through tough teaching. So the answer to discomfort isn't to quit teaching the Bible when it gets uncomfortable. 
The answer for you and me, brothers and sisters, is to endure sound teaching. Why? So that we can bear fruit. And as we endure healthy teaching, can I tell you what happens? The Lord builds healthy Christians. So friends, please hear my heart. Don't run to the chocolate chip cookie churches. Stay with us. Grow with us so that we can actually bear fruit that makes a difference and makes us healthy believers, healthy families, a healthy church. And then can I tell you what wildly happens in God's great plan is that it even makes our community healthy. We can be part of this if we will endure sound teaching. But this isn't only a call for the church to endure sound teaching. In verse 5, I see a call for pastors to endure And you'll forgive me for preaching to myself a bit this morning. Honestly, if you've kind of paid attention, I've been doing that for most of this month. This is important for us as a church, by the way. You need to know what to expect out of your pastor. And you need to know what you and we should think about preaching. But I will tell you, it is very tempting to adopt the world's methodologies and take the shortcuts of church growth and worldly success that are offered out there today. But there is a biblical model for what preaching should look like. And it's faithful preaching of the word of God. Not man's ideas, not popular subjects, not uh, the fads of the spiritual world and culture. Instead, God calls preachers to preach the word. So we want to systematically do that here at Central. We're always going to be working our way through books of the Bible, whether that's on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night. At any point in time, one of those sessions, we are going to be systematically working our way through the Scripture, walking verse by verse through books of the Bible. That's always going to be happening. And yes, there are going to be times where the Lord is going to call us to address topics and issues and things like that. But when he does, can I tell you that there will always be a biblical text. We will always have a scripture that we will be pulling our truths from, our truth, our vision, and our ideas. Because at the end of the day, here's the reality, y'all. You don't need to hear from me. You don't need my ideas, my vision. We desperately need to hear the voice of God. And we hear the voice of God through the scripture. His word is his voice. Like we said last week, his breathed out word speaks to our hearts in real ways that only it can do. So Paul calls Timothy, preach the word. And in verse 5, he says, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Y'all, if this was a pastor's conference, I think I would just do an entire message on that one verse right there. But in the context of this passage, the reality is preaching the word requires integrity and faithfulness. Do you know that the enemy comes after pastors who preach the word? So Paul says, exercise self-control. And don't chase after the things of the world. Don't chase sin. Stay focused. Exercise self-control. He also tells this young pastor, endure hardship. Because again, verse 3 is true. People will not want to hear the truth. Preachers of the word will and do endure hardship. Persevere, Paul says, continue in this. And man, I love this phrase, do the work. Do the work. Ministry, by the way, is real work. I want to tell you, I recognize that my job is wildly different from many of your jobs. And I will admit that, that in ministry, the same in many other lines of work, 
Uh, if you are prone to laziness, you can phone in ministry and make it a pretty cushy job. But Paul calls Timothy, and, and I believe the Holy Spirit would challenge and charge all pastors to realize that the time is short. We don't have time to run churches and be leadership gurus. We don't have time to waste our lives trying to get the clout of the world. Do the work. Labor over the word of God. Work hard to prepare. Don't lean on your natural giftedness. Instead, read the word. Prepare the word. Study. Prayerfully work to preach the word of the God to the flock that you've been called to. So I grew up here, not in Buna, but Southeast Texas, and I didn't grow up in a preacher's family, which there are some good things and bad things to that. Some of you may be PKs in the room, and you're like, poof, still struggling, right? But there are good things and bad things. But one of the weird things for me is that I kind of grew up hearing what all the people said about the preachers, <laughs> Right? Uh, and, and I don't want to be unclear here. My, my family and the friends that I spent a lot of time with always loved and supported their pastors. But there was always kind of this low-key idea that they don't really have a real job, right? This is kind of a, an, an easy thing, and, you know, preacher's soft, man, you know. Uh, and, and I grew up kind of hearing all that. So here's what happened. When I became a lead pastor, you know, a dozen years ago or so, I made it my mission to prove y'all wrong. Southeast Texas, I'm going to show you that I'm a hardworking pastor. So I'm telling you, man, I was at everything that you could do. I did all the things. Uh, I remember, man, uh, my first year when I was pastoring in Coons, I, I went to opening day of Little League and emptied trashes all day to the point that the guy who was running Little League said, hey, bud, can I sign your community service papers at the end of the day? And I was like, man, I ain't here trying to get community service, right? Man, if you had a hangnail operation at your doctor's office, I was there to pray for you and wait with your spouse in the waiting room. I showed up at every event in town. I'm helping plan the parades. I'm trying to do everything I can do to show people that I was busy doing things and that I wasn't well, like all those preachers I heard you talk about. I'm different. I'm working hard. And man, probably eight or nine years ago, I read a book that changed my life. And I want to read you a short passage from this book. This is from uh, Eugene Peterson's book, The Contemplative Pastor. Here's what he said. The poor man, we say, he's so devoted to his flock. The work is endless and he sacrifices himself so unstintingly. But the word busy is the symptom not of commitment, but of betrayal. It is not devotion, but defection. The adjective busy, said as a modifier to pastor, should sound to our ears like adulterer to characterize a wife or embezzling to describe a banker. It is an outrageous scandal, a blasphemous affront. Peterson goes on to give two reasons why pastors tend to get busy. I am busy because I am vain. I want to appear important. Significant. What better way to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded schedule, and heavy demands on my time are proof to myself and to all who will notice that I am important. And secondly, he says, I'm busy because I'm lazy. I indolently let others decide what I will do instead of resolutely deciding myself. 
I let people who do not understand the work of a pastor write the agenda for my day's work because I am too slipshod to write it myself. The pastor is a shadow figure in these people's mind, a marginal person vaguely connected with matters of God and goodwill. Anything remotely religious of somehow well-intentioned people can be properly assigned to the pastor. Man, those words, vain and lazy, stung my heart. But they were true in my life. I was very, very concerned about what other people thought of me as a pastor, but gave very little consideration to what the Lord thought of me as a pastor. And honestly, I got to tell you, it's easier to look busy and be busy doing the things that make you all happy than it is to do the things that make the Lord happy as a pastor. In Acts chapter 6, man, the church was growing like crazy. Do you remember this, man? Thousands upon thousands of people have been saved. The church is growing. And can you imagine the administrative challenges that must have come with that? Like, we have grown in the past several months by dozens and dozens. And it's a little bit wild, right? Like, we're trying to figure out where do we put some chairs. we got to work on our bylaws. we got to get all kinds of administrative things together. And we have not seen what I would characterize as explosive growth. But imagine going from 120 people to thousands within the span of weeks. So this was the church, and an issue came up. There were some people who were being neglected and not taken care of. And I love in Acts chapter 6 what happens. A moment of clarity, this is what was said, Acts chapter 6, verse 2. It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. That's what the apostles, the preachers, the early church leaders said. Instead, they called the first deacons to help with the ministry needs of the church. And these first leaders of the church, the elders, the pastors, the apostles, here's what they said. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So church, listen to me. I want to make this commitment to you. As we as a church prayerfully commit to saturate our lives in the scripture, I want to make this commitment to you. I'm going to be a pastor who is saturated in the scriptures and taking time to prayerfully do the work of an evangelist to fulfill the ministry to which the Lord has called me to. So when you show up on a Wednesday night or you show up on a Sunday morning, you're going to know that I've spent time pouring over the Scriptures, seeking to fulfill the call that the Lord has entrusted to me. Being self-controlled, guarding my calendar, the daily grind to ensure that my focus, the focus of my ministry is the work of prayer and the Word. And here's what I believe will happen. If I continue to do that as your pastor and we as the people of God continue to build our lives around the word of God and your family continues to build your life around the word of God, I believe that in time we are going to see a harvest of fruit that we never believed was even possible when we started this whole thing. But I believe the Lord's going to do that work. It may not be fast. It may not be crazy. They're probably not going to write any articles about us in church growth magazines or anything like that. But can I tell you what will happen? We'll make a real tangible difference that will change not only us, but change this community that God's put us in. So man, would you saturate your life in the word of God and pray for me as I seek to do the same thing in leading you guys. The charge is to preach the word to this young pastor, but the charge for you, friends, is to do what we talked about last week. Dive into the word yourself. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this passage, God. 
as we step into this new season of rediscovering church, we know that that begins and ends with your word. So Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to know when we're hearing the word of God. Lord, that you would help me as a pastor to preach the word and not to, to stray into all these different things you can do, but instead, God, that we would just be found faithful doing what it is you've called us to do. Lord, I thank you for a church that constantly and consistently has affirmed me in this. Lord, that, that when we have preached hard sermons, I've received amens and, and handshakes and affirmation that this is what we need. But Lord, I know the reality of that is that if we're not careful, we can get to a point in our lives where we enjoy hard preaching but still don't change. And Lord, we don't want to just be a church that preaches hard message to hard hearts. Lord, would you soften our hearts so that as your word challenges us and confronts us, we would actually be ready to be changed. So Lord, I'm encouraged by my church family, and I pray that they would be encouraged today as well. Help us to respond in a way that brings you honor and glory today. Thank you for listening to Central Baptist Church Buna's weekly sermon podcast. May God bless you as you continue to connect, grow, and serve.